Good morning, LCM. Today is uh, August 26th, 2018. The title of today's sermon is Big Obstacles, Bold Leadership. Big Obstacles and Bold Leadership. We're actually starting a, uh, we started a series on Wednesday night called Big and Bold Series. A big and bold series. We're going to start off with big love that helps us to produce the right kind of bold leadership that we need. When we have Christ's love, it produces and demands that we have bold leadership in response. That we live a life worthy of the Lord. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1? And let's begin in verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. I have an expectancy in my heart of what the Lord wants to do for us today. If you felt what I felt in worship, then you understand that we have a victorious king who is here to give us victory today. In whatever area that you need victory, he is here to grant that to you today. As we respond to him, as we call out to him, as we have something on the inside of us, it's like, Lord, we don't want to just have another day. None of us need just another day. None of us just need another time to get together. What we need is to be touched by a living God who sets us free in every area. We've already had people start to get set free right here at this altar this morning. Don't you miss out on what the Lord wants to set set you free in this morning. In those areas that you need to have chains broken off of you. In those areas that you need to be strengthened and reminded that you are in fact a son and a daughter of the King of all creation. Come on, are you ready to get in the Word today? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. My gosh, we could just stop right there. We could let everybody go home and meditate on that one concept. Are you living a life that's worthy of the Lord? Are you living a life that is completely worthy of who the Lord is, of what He's done, of what He's created you to do? I'm already feeling conviction. It's the first half of his first verse this morning. You know what he is here to help us to do? To live a life worthy of the Lord. That's what he is here to help us do this morning. And may please him in every way. Not only that you'll live a life that's worthy, but that you'll know that he thinks that it's worthy. He will be pleased with you. Man, there's nothing better than when, when, when you're a kid and your dad is pleased with you. There's nothing better than, than you're nervous about something and you present something. Man, there's, for me, there's, there's not much better than when, when Elder Charlie comes up to me after a service and he goes, that was pretty good. I'm like, ha victory. Charlie's actually very, very, uh, he's always very kind. And there are some, when he comes up and says something to me, it does something different than maybe anybody else I appreciate in the encouragement. But when one of our elders, when Baj comes to me and says, Pastor, I've got to expand my top ten now. I'm like, oh, man, it's great. We want to please the Lord and live a life that's, that's worthy of what he has given to us. Look at this. It keeps going. It's not just living a life worthy. It's not just pleasing him. It's bearing fruit in every good work. It's growing in the knowledge of God. It's being strengthened. Anybody need to be strengthened today? Yes. Come on now. Now we're getting real, aren't we? Getting strengthened with a little bit of power. Y'all got to keep reading with me. Don't fall asleep. Being strengthened in verse 11 with all power. Come on now. See, we, we like words like this and then we really don't. 
being strengthened with all power. What does that mean for you, Gabriel? What does that mean for me? That means that he is going to strengthen us with more than enough power. Whatever you could possibly need for any difficulty, for any victories that you need is given to you. He will strengthen you with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance. Goodness gracious. Come on, Damien. Damien and Tamika have been working on some great endurance. D'Angelia is here working on some great endurance. Is there any other type of endurance that we need to do this rightly, to live the life that's worthy? You're going to need great endurance and patience. Wow. One is the actual ability to be able to endure. The other is while you're enduring that you keep a right heart about it. We're going to have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks, not just giving thanks, but joyfully giving thanks to the father who has qualified you. You know what I know as your pastor, even though I've been, we've been away for a few weeks, I know that the enemy wants to try to disqualify you. And if he can't actually disqualify you, what he's going to do is make you feel like you are disqualified. Even if he can't actually cause you to fall, what he's going to do is cause you to walk around as if you are not qualified by the power of his spirit. He's, moms, he's going to make you think that you, that you have no business being a mom. I can't even get my kid to do this. Husbands, he's going he's gonna to make you think that you are disqualified because your family isn't progressing the way that you think they ought to right now. The Father, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. You have an enemy that's always trying to disqualify, but our great God is trying to qualify you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm qualified. Come on, look at that other person that, that you didn't want to talk to. Say, I'm qualified. Today's sermon is Big Obstacles and Bold Leadership. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Come on, God is going to give us some keys to unlock some things in our hearts today. Hebrews 13, and let's start in verse 7. Joy, there's a slide for this one, if you wouldn't mind putting up the slide here. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The next verse says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did you know that the Lord working out leadership in you is supposed to remind you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever? Did you remember? I mean, we know that verse, the Hebrews 13a. He's the same. Man, we can run to him. We can trust in him. He doesn't vacillate. He doesn't get strong one day and weak the next day. He is who he is, and we can trust in him. But the context of this is remembering your leaders. The context, the verse right before it. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. On the next slide, I want to show you what the leaders means here. This is a word in the Greek. And the idea here is that, yeah, amen. It's the Greek 2233. Your leaders, look at what it says. We've highlighted it for you. To lead, 
to lead or go before, to go first, to lead the way. Come on, as a leader, you know what it means? It means you got to go first. Uh, And by the way, the point of this is not for you to look at us as your pastors and elders, but I want you to start thinking about this in the areas that you need to lead. The big obstacles in your life need a bold kind of leadership. You may think that your problem is uh, that you're out of money, that your car isn't working right, that you have difficulties at work, that your wife isn't following you well, that your husband isn't leading you well, that your kids are out of control. You may think that that's your problem. You may think that the big obstacles are your problem. I'm telling you that what you need is bold leadership in your homes. If you have bold leadership in you as a person, if you are walking rightly before the Lord, single people, Husbands, if you are leading your family well, you know what is going to work out? Everything else is going to work out. Pastor, that's too simple. I mean, you've simplified it. You've used hyperbole in this instance to help us to make a point. No, I'm not using hyperbole. I'm telling you what the Lord is telling us this morning. Your problem is, is you got, we've got less than, but we've got lackluster leadership in our homes. We've got lackluster leadership in us trying to get better before the Lord. And what we can do is by looking at the Word of God today, by allowing His Spirit to come in, you can be empowered to live a life that's worthy. You can be strengthened with all the power of the heavens. Your problem isn't your big obstacles. Your problem is, is that you have a lack of bold leadership. Come on, say this with me. Say, it all starts with me. Say it again. It all starts with me. If you go through our marriage counseling, we teach you how to look at yourself first, your own sinful traits, and then extol the godly traits of someone else, of your spouse. You know what none of us want to do? You know the reason that we have to teach you that as parent, as uh, pastors? It's because no one wants to start that way. If I'm in an argument with Daniel, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to point out how all, all the ways that Daniel is wrong. Why? Because I'm trying to win an argument. Instead, I should go, what is wrong with me? It all starts with me. Let me fix this first. Make sure that I'm in alignment with the heavens. And then I can help my brother in any way that he needs. I would rather lose the argument and help my brother win. We're not trying to win arguments here. We're trying to advance the kingdom. When we're in Indonesia, and by the way, we want to share a lot about that. Come this evening. Everyone who was on the trip, Steve and Joyce are going to have pictures. We're going to have pictures. We'd be glad to show you and tell you every story that we can possibly tell you. Today, it is in my heart that we should not look back even in Indonesia as the focus, but that we should look to exactly what God is speaking to you. I know we'd like to hear more about it. We'll tell you that all that you can handle tonight. We'll tell you about every meal we had and everywhere we went if you want. But while, while we were there in Indonesia, you know what the Lord did? The Lord saved. The Lord healed. Demons were cast out. Conversions from Islam into Christianity were made while we were there. We threw away our agendas. We cried out to the God of heaven and said, what do you want us to do today? And he sent us to the right places, Curtis. Places that you can't even imagine. We couldn't have ended up there if we tried. We kind of snaked our way through things and ended up in close to this that put us to this that met us. It was incredible. You know what we learned? We learned that the bold leadership of the Holy Spirit is exactly what we needed. We learned that the problem wasn't the fact that we were in a country that was 97% Muslim. Not a, not a big enough obstacle to hold back what God was doing. 
It didn't matter that we were so far the minority there that we could get arrested. Didn't even bother us. Wasn't even an issue because of the bold leadership of the Holy Spirit. What's keeping you back today? There's not an azan going off every few hours here that we can hear. You don't wake up at 4.30 in the morning hearing the azan. Not at least in my neighborhood. Your problem isn't your big obstacles. And we're seeing that here. To be a, to have a bold leadership, you have to lead or go before. You have to be willing to step out even if no one else is stepping out. Come on, husbands, you have to be willing to go first to offer forgiveness and demonstrate the love that comes from the heavens, even if your wife isn't going first. Lead in your homes and step forward and do what's right, regardless of what anybody else is doing. Wives, if your husband hasn't quite gotten there yet, you're going to submit to the Lord and submit to your husband by stepping forward and operating in a gentle and quiet spirit exactly as the Word of God tells you to do, and it will produce the results. We've got to lead and go first in the right kind of ways. Let's look at the next slide. Because you're supposed to consider your leaders and the outcome of their way of life. In the Greek, this is like you're supposed to consider the end of the conversation. You're supposed to consider the end of the conversation. This is this word here, the conversation. A mode of life, a conduct, a behavior, a deportment. That's kind of a neat word. Not a department but how you carry yourself. Life as made up of actions. We're supposed to consider this. We live an example before you. You see us, you see our strengths, you see our weaknesses because we're your pastors and this is the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. We're not supposed to be isolated. We're not supposed to live somewhere in a gated community. We're supposed to live where you live. We're supposed to do what you do. We're supposed to be as you are. And you could see that weak, (laughs) flawed men, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can actually make a difference. And it's supposed to inspire you. Not because that we are pristine behind some type of veil, but because we've walked through the veil and said, if we can do it, you surely can do it. What's preventing you from doing what the Lord is calling you to do? What we're saying is, not only should you consider our life as made up of our actions... But you are supposed to have bold leadership that says, follow me as I follow Christ. Who's following you? Husbands, your wives are following you. You need to lead well. You need to have a bold leadership in your home. My goodness. We all want some level of ministry. You're not here at this church if you don't want to do some type of ministry. You want to have it in your home. You want to have it flowing to your neighbors. You want to have your kids brought up in the right way before the Lord. Whether you're in the arrow phase of the walk or in the bow phase, you have to learn how to lead well with bold leadership. We all want to learn how to overcome the big obstacles in in our life. But sometimes we'd prefer to do it without the stinging realization and the mandate of bold leadership in our homes. Can we skip that part? Can, can we just let someone else be the bold, strong leaders and we're somewhere down the line? No. You are not here at this church to have some weak leadership in yourself. You're not here at this church to have some type of weak leadership in your homes. Parents, you cannot have weak leadership when it comes to your kids. You can't. It's not acceptable. And we love you as enough to say, 
hey, we're all going towards bold leadership. Say it all starts with me. So many problems that we have would just be fixed. If you could remember, it all starts with me. Say it again. It all starts with me. Say it again. It all starts with me. I promise you that the idea of it all starts with me will help you to get where you need to get in Christ. It's not somebody else's problem. You're not so far underneath all the big obstacles that are there that, well, it's okay that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. No, no, no. It all starts with me. It all starts with you, and that's what the Lord is teaching us this morning. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. It says this, Here is a trustworthy saying. Boy, don't you like trustworthy sayings? Man. There's some things that people say that I'm not quite sure about. I'm a little nervous for my kids sometimes, and, and let me explain. Uh, things on the internet that I look at and go, that's got to be garbage. That's not possible. Some viral video of someone jumping 47 feet up in the air and karate kicking something. They're like, oh, the responses are, these guys are awesome. My response is, that's not physically possible. That has been tampered with. And I'm amazed. The masses are going, man, that's incredible. Those kids are the best. I'm going, that's fake. Can nobody see this as fake? What's going on? They're defying the laws of physics. How is it that we can see things and not understand what isn't, what is and isn't trustworthy? I worry for my kids not being able to sift through information like we had to do back in my, back in my day. Back when I was a kid. There's so much information floating out there. It's, all, it's hard to figure out what is and isn't trustworthy. So comforting me that the word of God says, this is a trustworthy saying. You can bank on this. You can build your philosophy around this. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, on having some bold leadership, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. Amen to that. Temperate. Self-controlled. Respectable. Also hospitable. Able to teach. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. Look at verse 4. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. You want to be a great leader in the kingdom of heaven? Make sure your family's in order. You want to be fantastic and set yourself apart in a trustworthy kind of way? Make sure. Why? If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Must not be a recent convert. Look at verse 7. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. You mean it matters how I do my job? Yep, sure does. It matters. It absolutely matters. Why? Because if you're not leading yourself well on your job, how are you going to come here and lead well? Well, I want everybody to realize what a good prophecy I gave. How about you do a good job at, at the workplace? How about you handle your business where you're supposed to? That's so much more impressive to me than if you can give a good word of prophecy. And I want you to give a good word of prophecy. 
The idea here is that leadership starts with me. Say it all starts with me. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Are you all with me this morning? Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 15. It says this. So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you. You know what we're supposed to learn from the men who have authority over us? How to lead well. God actually puts men over us and shows us how to do it. We would be responsible if we had no one around. If we were a single person on an island somewhere, we would still be responsible for carrying out God's word. Because he will give you all the strength that you need. And you know what he does to go above and beyond that? He gives you people that you can watch their lives and consider the end of the conversation. He allows you to see it in a way, giving them authority over you as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, and as tribal officials. I charged your judges at the time. Make sure that you're judging correctly. Hear the disputes between your people. Judge fairly. This is what the Lord has established for us in understanding leadership. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm laying a groundwork for us about the leadership that is required of each of us. We're seeing how it was done in the scripture and we're able to apply it to our lives. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. If any of you has a dispute with another, now we're going right on into the body of Christ. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? How dare you have to have a lawsuit with another believer? How dare you? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Does this sound like it's the few? It's the few that are selected? Or does this sound like it's the body of Christ? The saints. Don't you know that the saints are going to judge the world? Why am I trying to encourage bold leadership? Because if we can't figure out whether to let our kids go somewhere or not, then how are we supposed to judge the world? If we can't quite get our life in the right order because we're floundering around, how are we supposed to judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge the easy things? <laughs> Anybody ever had uh, just a decision that just felt like you had no idea what to do? You're wrestling with it. You're like, should I do this? Or this seems plausible and this and this. And someone comes in and like, you should just do this. <laughs> yes. Why is it so easy for you? Why? What happens in that moment? Someone cuts through all the clutter, knows and realizes what's important, and tells you that because of the power and the Spirit of God. You've been wrestling with it for hours or days, and you're like, I can't figure this out. And somebody goes, it's just this. That's what we're supposed to be growing in. In bold leadership that takes away the superfluous, that doesn't allow the obstacle to, re to seem like it's the biggest problem that's there. How many times did Jesus come up to somebody and they're like, hey, I need to be healed. And he's like, no, you need to be saved. What were they doing? They were assessing their own situation and saying, this is the biggest problem. And Jesus went, no, that's the easy part. 
Let's get you saved first, and then we can get you healed. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I'll heal you just so everybody knows that you're actually saved. But that, that's the, uh, as we say in Louisiana, that's the lanyard. That's the extra. That wasn't even, and God provided it. Are you not competent? You should be competent to judge. Look at verse 3. Do you not know that you will judge angels? Wait, what? Look up here, my friends. You're going to have to, you're going to, you're going to get to judge the angels in the life to come. You're going to be judging the world. How about we start working on our leadership now? How about we start being faithful in bold leadership today? How about we start learning how to do it with our own families, in our own lives, with our little kingdom? And I don't mean that even in a negative way. Our little world. Start with me. Add my wife. Add my kids. Let me take care of that really, really well. Add my job and my own life that I have. And if I do that well, and the Lord shows His favor, and there's enough bold leadership, you know what it does? It allows me to help Cody and Wendy to do the exact same thing in their lives. It helps me to look over at Spencer and Caitlin and help them to do the same thing. That we need bold leadership. We need to be strong in our leadership. Because that's what He's calling us to do. Let's look at some examples from the Tanakh. Turn to uh, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Come on, how many of you want to be more bold in your leadership? How many of you want to be more confident in a day-to-day kind of way? Come on, I think this is the right word for us today. I think this is exactly where we are. This is where we are. We have so many great things going on in this church. And the idea isn't that there's just a few of us that have such world-class leadership and the rest of us are going... I don't know what to do. Let's just look to them. Man, Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric, they're such strong leaders. I I can't even think for myself. I mean, just we want to build a church that has bold leadership, but not only from the pulpit. We want to have a church that has bold leadership right where you're sitting. We want to have bold kind of leadership in your homes with your kids, with your spouses, in your jobs, that that bold leadership is taking over everything about you and you're able to walk rightly. Man, what a testimony that is. Do you know what's incredible to me? Last year, about this time, we went to Aguas Calientes. We we visited with Susana's family in a church there. You know what we saw for those of you who went with us? We saw God do exactly what he does on an LCM mission trip. People were saved. People were spirit-filled. Demons were cast out. A church was rebirthed. It was revitalized. It was encouraged. And they're still carrying on that work. The Browns are going to be leading a trip there in a few weeks. You know what I expect to happen? Exactly what happens on every LCM trip. People are going to get saved. And people are going to get spirit-filled. The Lord's going to move. It's going to be miraculous and incredible. In India, in Indonesia, in Turkey, wherever it is that we are... What about you? We want to have it where you feel that same presence in your life on a daily way, in a daily manner. That people at your workplace are getting saved, spirit-filled, transformed. Exodus chapter 17. Let's look at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. 
They camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled. Everybody say quarreled. quarreled. With Moses. And said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. So what two things did they do? They quarreled, and they grumbled. They quarreled, and they grumbled. Y'all know the difference, right? Quarreling is when I let you know how upset I am with you. Grumbling is, maybe I don't tell you. Maybe I just have a conversation with myself about how upset I am with you. I mean, not that anybody has conversations with themselves, right? Come on, you know you do. Anybody ever gotten mad at a made-up conversation? Didn't even happen. If you're a husband and wife and you did not raise your hand just then, shame on you. I've gotten in trouble for dreams my wife had. I didn't do it. I'm still mad at you. It made no sense. Something about a bear in a forest and I didn't, I don't know what's going on. We have conversations. I mean, not that any of us would be looking at someone, talking to them, thinking about what we're going to say next. Right? None of us do those kind of things. We're used to talking to ourselves. Sounds weird, right? Whether you're quarreling or grumbling, there's an issue here. Because you're dissatisfied with what's going on. You're dissatisfied with where the Lord has placed you. And you have to be very, very careful because look what happens here. They had the internal obstacle of grumbling. They had this quarreling that was going on. Look at verse 4. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Man, when you begin to lead well with bold leadership, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a lot of questions. If you don't like questions, if you think you should always have the answer in the first millisecond that a, that a question comes up, you're not going to really like bold leadership. It's an immature person that thinks that they have to have the answer immediately on every question. You're immature if you think that. I would much rather you learn bold leadership and say, you know, Judah, I don't know the answer to that. Let me go pray for a few minutes. Let me go talk to the Lord. Let me go look this up instead of having to answer. When I first became a principal, I had to have a little notebook with me because I realized that there was too many questions I couldn't fathom everything i'd like let me write it down i'll get back to you because me telling you to wait a few minutes is better than me telling you the wrong answer bold leadership requires that we actually have an answer that we actually go get the right answer from the lord this is what moses is doing he cries out to the lord i don't know what i'm supposed to do with these guys they're about ready to kill me verse five here is an example of bold leadership the Lord answered Moses and he said, walk on ahead. Walk on ahead. Sounds just like it does in Hebrews 13, doesn't it? Those who go first, the ones who are out there ahead. Leadership requires that we go first. God's love was poured out to us first. We have to respond in kind. Husbands, walk on ahead of your wives. Walk on ahead of them. Get ahead of your children. Get ahead of your household. Hear from the Lord and lead according to what God has said to you. If you don't know, be honest and say, pray with me. 
Because I'm not sure yet. But you be out ahead of that and don't pretend like you know when you don't know. And don't let the fact that you don't know keep you in a place and keep you in a static place. Well, I don't know. I was honest with you. I told you I didn't know. Go find out from the Lord. Go inquire of Him. Go pursue Him. Go fall on your knees before Him because our God is a God who answers us. He doesn't want to keep you in the dark. He wants to strengthen you with all of His strength. He wants you to live a life that's worthy of Him. If you don't know, go find out. Walk on ahead of your family. I don't mean leave them in the dust. I mean get out there in front of them and lead them. In every way. It's not going well? Lead better. Things are difficult? Keep leading. Slightly excited about this this morning. The Lord said to Moses, walk on ahead of, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Oh, come on now. You mean we don't have to do this by ourselves? Whew. Thank the Lord for elders. Thank the Lord for godly people who can show us. Elder Charlie, I'm not quite sure about this. And he'll put his hand on you and start explaining life. What about, no, I just mean Charlie will explain all of life to you. Baj will begin to quietly speak to you and make you lean in as he shares with you. Don't be by yourself. I know I'm from Louisiana. Don't be from by yourself. That was for you, Damien. Just saying. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. We got to hold on to the standard that God gives us. Come on now. We are around this place enough. You know and understand the concept of holding on to the standard of God's word. It's not a plan unless the word has verified it. You haven't heard from the Lord unless the word has verified it to you. He's going to speak in keeping with his word. Verse six, I will stand there before you at the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock. You're going to have to create some friction. You're going to have to address the issues that need to be addressed. You're going to have to bring about the right order, the right shalom to things. If you think that you can get by without having some friction, you don't understand bold leadership. We're not going around for the sake of friction, but we're going around understanding that the Lord is going to tell you that you have to take the standard and strike the rock. And then what happens? The provision begins to flow. Then the water comes out. Then that life breaks forth. When you get things in the right order in your home and you have bold leadership, what happens? Then the water flows. Man, you can breathe again. You can have something that feels at peace in shalom. We've got to get off our couches. We've got to get off our phones. We've got to get into the Word and find out what the Lord has for us. Look at verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So as we're dealing with the internal problems that we have to deal with, we have to get on out in front. There are uh, external obstacles as well. Choose some of the men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Once we've addressed the internal obstacles, then we can be ready for the external. Can I just tell you, I think sometimes the external are the easy obstacles to overcome. If somebody is coming against you, at least you have somewhere to direct your attention. 
At least you have something that's there and you can feel like you can go forward and attack that. My car is broken. Good, it's external. I can go get at that. Something's happening. Good, I have to go deal with that. I can make a list. I can feel like I'm attacking something. When things are internal, man, sometimes those are the most difficult problems for us to deal with. What about your internal obstacles of fear? Of insecurity? Of a lack of confidence? Come on now. These are the things that we have to learn how to deal with. And we're dealing with it through the Word exactly as the Lord directs us. Our God is a God who is at war. We're a people who are at war. Sometimes we forget that. On Friday nights, we're talking about spiritual warfare. We talked about God being a God of war. In Exodus 13, it says that, in Exodus 15, it says that His name is warrior. (laughs) That's His name. And we're at war. We're constantly battling the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. Let's look at, uh, since we're close, let's turn to Exodus chapter 14. Let's look at verse 13. Moses is such a great example of bold leadership. In Exodus 14 and verse 13, it says this. Moses answered the people. To have bold leadership, you're going to have to answer people. Simple thought, right? You can't not have an answer. You have to go inquire of the Lord until you get the right answer. Silence is an answer and people fill in the gaps. Let me just give you a little hint. Let me say that again. If you allow silence to be your answer, then you're inviting everyone who follows you to fill in the answer as they see fit. Husbands, when you don't lead with bold leadership and you leave a void, you know what your wife is going to do? She's going to fill in the answer. You know why? Because you're not providing it. You know what happens, husbands, when you don't provide the leadership and there's a gap there? Your kids will start feeling in, filling in the answers. And you might not like how they fill it in. And you could get as mad as you want, but you left a vacuum there. There was not bold leadership. Moses had to answer the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Man, what a great answer. Isn't it? Just a strong answer from Moses. Look at the next verse. Then the Lord said to. Then the Lord said to. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. So what's happening here? Moses says, you stand still and God would help you. Don't be afraid. Just wait right there. God, what's going on? Why are you crying out to me? Because I don't know what to do if there's a lot of them over there. And I just told them to be still because I'm not quite sure. I was trying to be bold and faithful. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Move on. Go forward. Quit wallowing where you are and get up and go. Come on now. Is that a word for us this morning or what? Quit wallowing where you are. Quit circling around the same little plot of land. Get up 
and go. Come on, this is what the leadership that we need. We need to understand that this is what we're required to do. That the issue isn't the big obstacles, it's the bold leadership that we need. Everybody say, it starts with me. me. Come on, say it again, it starts with me. It starts with me, Brandon. It starts with you. It starts with you, Curtis. It starts with me. We've got to get in this thing. I love this passage. Why are you crying out to me? Can I just tell you that if you're going to wait for everything to be perfect before you lead, you're never going to go anywhere. If you're waiting until you're 100% sure before you do what you think the Lord is telling you to do, you will never do it. Ever. Man, if I'm more than 50% sure, and I'm like, man, this is a great day. Let's let our mistakes be because we're stepping towards bold leadership and we're not overly focused and fixated on whether we're going to make an error or not. There are men in this room who are more afraid to make an error than to lead boldly. Which, by the way, is an error. I'm worried about not getting this perfect. Go and do it. Stand up and lead your family. Hear from the Lord. I'm not saying make up your own thing. I'm saying hear from the Lord and go do it. What was the last thing He told you to do? Then start there and move forward. Why are you crying out to Him? Come on, move forward. Have some bold leadership in what you're doing. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We spent time in the law and let's look in the prophets. You have Elijah who just finished dealing with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Look at verse chapter 19 verse 1. 1 Kings 19 verse 1. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. She threatened his life. The man who had just taken care of 850 prophets. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. (laughs) I know that's never happened to any of us, right? Lord uses you powerfully. There's deliverance. There's something awesome. And then the next week, a difficulty comes up in your life. And you're like, we're not going to make it. Really? The sale sale just fell through. Really, that's going to cause you to run in terror? Doesn't matter that he saved your life. Doesn't matter that he's come through the last 5,000 times for you. This one. This one's going to be the one that does me in. This is it. I'm coming home, Lord. This is it. I'm going to die. We're not going to make it this time. I know he helps us every month, but this time, this month, we're done. Hey, you don't think that happens to us as pastors? You don't think there's months where we're going, amen, Lord. If you don't come through, we're trying to reach the world. You know that our vision as a church is much bigger than our resources? Much bigger. You know what we have to do? Same thing you have to do. 
It requires bold leadership of us to go, Amen, Lord. You're going to come through like you did the last 10,000 times. We're not going to start doubting your character because the situation looks a little bit different to us. Just because the obstacles are getting bigger, we're not going to relinquish our bold leadership here. We're going to move forward and do exactly what we're supposed to do. If it means the way that we give away everything, then we give away everything. We're not going to quake in fear because the Lord is with us. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I'm not putting down on Elijah. He is a boss. I'm saying if a man like Elijah can feel this way, we obviously have all felt this way as well. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. By the way, when you are feeling distressed, don't go off by yourself. That's a terrible idea. Well, I just need to retreat to my little... I just need a little time away. No, that's not what you need when things are in the most pressure filled. Because you're going to come up with wrong answers if Elijah, the man who just called fire down from heaven, decides to leave his servant, leave anybody who could be around him. I'm just going to go off by myself. Look what he says. He came to a broom tree, sat down under, and prayed that he might die. What would we call that nowadays? We call it depression. We call it whatever we would call it. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Well, that's a little dramatic. Then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. Come on, anybody in this place fallen asleep? I don't mean physically. I mean you've been under such pressure that you just decide it's better to kind of tune out than actually have to keep going with bold leadership. It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm maxed out. I can't think anymore about it. I can't do anymore about it. I'm just going to go down. I'm just going to walk over here and go to sleep. Yeah. Look what happens. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he laid down again. Lord, I need just drink up. We're laughing because we've all been there. Let's, let's take this as the metaphor that it is. We're trying to do something for the Lord and we've exhausted ourselves. We've been so exhausted by our own fear, by our own isolation. <sighs> Can't do it. Come on, get up. Come on, get up and eat. You can do this. Okay, amen. <sighs> what happens? He has to do it again. The angel comes back a second time. Aren't you glad that we serve the God of the second and the fifth and the one hundredth and the one thousandth extra chance that we need? Let me help you today, church. Get up and eat. Get up and eat in those areas that you've fallen asleep because it's just too much for you. Get up and eat today. I'm going to pray that it's the second time so you can move on after that. But get up and eat today. He has to learn how to hear from the Lord. This is, he gets up, he eats, he goes, and then what happens? The great wind comes before. He's standing at the mountain, and the Lord's not in the great wind. And then there's a huge earthquake. There's a great rumbling, and the Lord's not in the earthquake. What does the Lord come to him in those moments in? Just a whisper. What is the Lord trying to whisper to you today? What is he trying to encourage you with and say, come on, you can do this. Daniel Joe, you can do this. 
Man, I'm so proud of Daniel. Yeah. What's, what's the term? He's a sleeper. Not like Elijah, but one like, like you don't know that he's, that he's about to come and just smack you with the word of God. Like a ninja. <laughs> Elijah finishes this chapter by being worried that he's the only one. Anybody ever felt like you're the only one in the fight? Come on, husbands and wives. You know you felt like that. I'm the only one trying up here. They're not trying like I'm trying. You're laughing because you know it's true. Let me tell you all the good things that I just did. What was God's response to Elijah? I've got 7,000 people who haven't bowed their knee. I've got all kind of people that are at work here. Don't you let your isolation or your perspective that you're the only one. Every time the Lord says that you're, uh, that you say that you're the only one, be reminded that God has a lot of people doing this rightly. You're actually in a church that's full of them, full of people who are doing things well, and that God is causing us to have bold and strong leadership. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter two. Nehemiah chapter two. After Elijah finished whining about his situation and him being the only one, you know what the Lord told him to do? Go and anoint three other people. I got more for you to do, Elijah. You're worried about this. I've got more for you to do. In Nehemiah chapter 2, in verse 10, it says this, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard this, Nehemiah has been inspired to do something. He's begun a process to lead his people to repair a broken wall around Jerusalem. And there's opposition. There are obstacles that come immediately. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. He began to inspect. But there were opposing forces the entire time. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria... He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now, this is an adversary, an external force. But what is he trying to get at? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Nobody said they were going to try to finish in a day. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? What is this trying to get at in Nehemiah and the people of God? Trying to... Make their confidence waver. Trying to shake them. Are you gonna, you think you're gonna do all that God has for you? You think you're gonna accomplish it all? You think you can get to the end of what God has for you? You're gonna do it in a day, in a day? Man, aren't these the same kind of attacks that the enemy brings against us? Trying to wear us down. The obstacles of ridicule and insult and derision. 
trying to come. Even if a fox climbed on that wall, it would falter. Man, the smallest thing is going to... You think you're doing something great with God? You think you're going to do something fantastic? The smallest little thing will come and blow your little house of cards down. Verse 4. Hear us, O God. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Can I encourage you in this as we're talking about big obstacles and bold leadership today? That the bigger the obstacle, the more that you need to stand up and fight against it. You can't just lay down as these things become against you. Because if you give them credence in your mind and in your heart, what happens? Completely steals your confidence. It completely puts you where you're not wanting to move forward. Then the difficulties begin to seem insurmountable. Well, maybe they're right. Maybe we won't get this thing the way that it needs to get. That's not the way that you have that the Lord is encouraging you. Look at Nehemiah and his response. Lord, turn those insults back on them. Lord, don't let these things be effective. Lord, revise this in our lives. Lord, move upon us. Look at verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod... Do you see how the adversity is growing? <laughs> the more bold you are in your leadership, I can assure you, the more things that come against you to try to stop you in this. When they heard that the repairs to the Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Come on now, it's time for us to close all the gaps in our homes. To close the gaps in our leadership. They all plotted together. Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the men of Ashdod. The ever-surmounting, the ever-growing population of people who want to come against you. Hey, let's be honest. Most of the time it's not necessarily a, a horde of people that are coming against us. But isn't it a horde of your own emotions? Of your own thoughts? Of your own concepts that just start making things feel overwhelming to you? Isn't it the fear that wants us to make us go lie down under a broom tree and wish we could die? This is what we're trying to get at today. They all plotted against Him. The obstacles are mounting. It's because as you move forward, there are sometimes cracks in your foundations that become to get ex- they begin to get exposed. That's not a bad thing if you keep going with bold leadership in your home. The cracks in your foundation need to be addressed. Why? So that the Lord can build rightly upon it. It needs to be healed and fixed now so that God can continue to build. We never had these problems in the past. Pastor, I know. I know we're supposed to be able to tithe and it work out, but I never had financial problems until I started tithing. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the party. But pastor, I don't understand. Our, our marriage was really good before we came here. We never fought. Well, it's not true, first of all. And second of all, now that you're trying to make things right for the generations to come, of course it's difficult or more difficult in the interim. Of course it is. Why? Because you're actually fixing something. It is now able to start sustaining more weight and grow in what God has for you. Of course it's more difficult. Of course the enemies are mounting. How is it that things were so easy before we got here to LCM? 
Why does things have to be so difficult when we're doing it? Because you're trying to touch the world for Christ. What you thought you were doing before and saying, you are now actually able to do. You want to go back to easy? Then go back to easy. Or do you want to actually live a life worthy of the calling? Or do you want to actually be strengthened with all this strength? You can't have it both ways. You either want to retreat to comfort, or you're going to advance in bold leadership and let God work these things out in you. Come on, this kind of thing, say it all starts with me. Quit putting it off to someone else somewhere else. Let it start with you. Let it continue with you. But pastor, I've been doing this for a while. Does it ever not get this? Does it ever get any easier? No. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry to tell you. It only gets more difficult. But after a while, you start understanding that uh, there's nothing quite like walking in, in a way that pleases the Lord. I'll take a difficult life pleasing the Lord than the easiest life imaginable and never actually please Him. Man, that's where we are. That's what we're building here as a church. Man, it reminds me. Let's turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. Just a few verses here and then we're going to move to the Newer Testament. Nehemiah chapter 6, let's look at verse 3. Same old guys are coming up with the same insults. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab. Those same things that keep trying to attack you day after day. The same lies that want to tell you that you're not the right person. Same lies that are going to tell you that you'll never have clear vision for your life. The same lies that tell you that you're not worth it and you're not worthy to do this. Same type of lies that keep coming back. And look what Nehemiah says. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. Quit, let's quit being distracted. Pulled off a topic because we are doing a great work. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Man, we got to have the right kind of priorities and vision in our life. We've got to prioritize the kingdom mandates and not the daily distractions. We've got to work through this. Look at verse 11. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into his temple? You know what you need to do? You just need to kind of come together. Let's, about, let's go to church. Let's just have a nice little huddle. Let's have a nice little meeting. What is Nehemiah's response? That's actually, in that case, it was trying to get him to stop doing what he was supposed to be doing. Should a man like me go down? Reminds me of Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee, though no one pursue them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Reminds me of Luke 13 when Jesus is answering people and he says, Hey, you go, yeah, you go tell that fox. They were trying to get Jesus to do the same thing. Why don't you settle down? Why don't you not be here? It's a little dangerous. He said, yeah, you go tell that fox that I'll drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the next day, I'm going to get where I'm going. Man, come on. What an incredible thing. We need some tenacity about us. Anybody ever lose hard enough where you're not as tenacious as you once were? Get a little tired, so you get a little lackadaisical in your pursuit of the Lord? Oh, pastor, I'm reading my Bible every day. Are you tenacious about it? Are you looking at it like it's life, that these are the very words of life? 
We need the Lord to transform us. I want to show you a few pictures here. I want to show you a few pictures here of what the Lord had done in Indonesia for us. Uh, we need to hear from the Lord. Everybody say, we need to hear. We were praying in a, in a visiting city. We had gone to a city called Bantul. We drove there. We got to the city square where all the governmental buildings were. We prayed and we said, Lord, show us something. The Lord spoke to Abimbola and said, you need to go west from here. Come on, how many of you like those directions? You like that plan? Go west. We were trying to figure out exactly what that meant. No, that's kind of funny. Lord, what do you mean by go west? Do you want us to go north? There's a place that we know of that's a little bit north here, and then we go west from there. Abimbola was such a bold leader that day. He said, no, no, we can do whatever the group decides, but the Lord told me to go west. And if he said west, then it means west. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that logic there, Bim. That's, uh, that's good. Hey, by the way, have enough bold leadership that if the Lord is telling you something, that you actually say it just the way that the Lord told it to you? How many times have people come along, well, I knew that that wasn't going to work out. You let me walk through that and you knew that it wasn't going to work out? Don't ever say that to me. I love you. You will get a throat chop. Pastor, I didn't think that was a good idea. And you, you, and you stayed quiet. Then you're a coward, so just go away. Don't talk to me. Ben was a bold leader. We go due west. We get on our little motors. Take off. West. We run out of road in front of Subagio's house. We literally run out of road. We're sitting on our bikes going, okay, Lord, now what? We've gone as far west as this road will take us. And Subagio right there in the middle and his wife come out. And they are the most hospitable, gentle, beautiful people that you could ever want to meet. Muslim, complete Muslim, and we're thinking that these might be the men, this might be a man of peace for this community to come back to and begin ministry with. We sat and talked to him. We prayed for him in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for you in Jesus' name. Okay. What prayer request do you have that is very specific so when Jesus answers it, you'll know that our God answers your prayer request? can't wait to hear. I'm going to have to share that one. The, the, he, it was, of course, about finances. And this, in these next few weeks, that he has to come up with an exorbitant amount of money that he can't come up with. I can't wait to see what the Lord does. Let's try the next picture. <laughs> this is at an orphanage. So we got to get there. Uh, Gabriel and Brenton preached the first night that we were there on a Friday night. The next Friday night, it was going to be Abimbola and Steve. They told us before the service, never mind, there's a Korean team that's in. You guys won't be preaching. Fantastic. We'll worship the Lord. We'll pray. We'll do whatever you need. As the worship service was beginning, they were like, never mind, we want you to preach. I was like, all right, who wants to preach? Ben was like, yeah, I got it. So the Koreans preached and then we preached. It was incredible. You see there the Korean team and all the orphans and all of our team. There's 30 orphans at this place that the Lord has been ministering to through a man named Alam and his wife, Lohana. Let's try the next slide. Alam is all the way to your left. Lohana is right next to him. 
Then we have Geary and Farah who are working with Brent and Teresa. We got a chance to go back. We were trying to have bold leadership. We went back and said, look, we appreciate the tour of the orphanage. We just want to pray with you. We got in their little sanctuary space. He brought all the orphans around. I was like, no, I really want to pray for you, Olam. He said, great, let's do it. The presence of the Lord fell in that room. Alam and Lohana had been discouraged. They had had huge obstacles. They had had felt the weight and the pressure of taking care of 30 orphans plus their own three children. A busy travel schedule for Alam as he goes around preaching to try to raise funds for the orphans. By the way, Lohana is 24 years old. Come on, ladies. You want to be 24, take care of 30 orphans and your own three kids while your husband's traveling a lot? Come on. They needed some bold leadership. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord spoke to them, prophesied to them, lifted them. They were, uh, when I say that they were weeping at the presence of the Lord, weeping is a very, very clean, tidy term. They were wailing before the Lord. Come on. Anybody ever just kind of lost it in God's presence? All of the uh, prim and proper things that we're supposed to respond just kind of melt away because we are so desperate for God to move. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful, powerful couple. Next slide. This is a man named Cristianto, right there in the middle. Uh, we went to Bontul. We went and found a place to eat after we went west. We came back and randomly found a place to eat. We looked on a Google map and said, this is the closest church to us. There's only one church. Let's go check it out. The pin was dropped in the wrong place. We showed up at a Hindu temple. That's confusing when you're looking for a church and you're like, is this a church? What are they doing? What's wrong with these people? And you realize, no, this can't be the right place. We go to the end of a neighborhood, at the end of a city, at the end of a road that we weren't, that we were trying to find and had difficulty to find. And there's this man is sitting in his church praying before the Lord. We went in and talked to him. The Lord did exactly the same thing as I was mentioning to Alam. The Holy Spirit fell in the room. Words of prophecy. These are friends wailing before the Lord. Working in a Muslim country, all by themselves, working in a completely Muslim village, and making converts year after year after year, one at a time. Has a church of about 50 people. We asked, well, how many of them... Were Christians from other areas? He's, or, or how many of them were converts? Only about half were converts. We're like, this is the most powerful, effective thing that we've seen around. Try the next picture. This is us right outside with his wife, his two girls. There was another uh, one of his young ones that was at school. Let's get to the next one as well. This is a man named Sarito. This is Will from King's Harvest and us with Sarepto. Uh The very first visit that we had for Sarepto, uh Nolan Hewitt was part of when he went in January. Seven visits later, on the seventh visit is this visit that we're there. And we watched the Lord reach out and save Sarepto. Filled with the Holy Spirit, crying out in Jesus' name that the Lord would move upon his heart. Filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Show the next picture for me, Joy. 
I don't know if you could see this. This is one of my favorite pictures of the whole trip. He's sitting there in a chair with a hand raised in victory. He is so excited because of what the Lord has done in his midst. Man, we're going to show you and share some more things with you. I don't have time right now to talk about the healing of Sarepto's foot. He's had a condition where he's walked basically on the outside of his foot, almost on the ankle bone for the last 60 years of his life. Come tonight and we'll get to share more with you about how the Lord did a tremendous work in Sarepto. Let's look at Luke chapter 12 as we begin to wrap up. Luke chapter 12. Let's look at verse 32. Luke 12, 32, as we get ready to close. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Does it sound like he's worried about any of the obstacles that we have right there? No. Be, do not be afraid, little flock. The, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's not something that he's doing begrudgingly. It's not doing something that he's doing in a lamenting kind of way. He's actually very excited to give us the kingdom. This little flock right here. The Lord is giving us the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Don't worry about the obstacles that are before us. We serve a victorious God who is pleased to be with us. If the Lord has qualified you, what we read in Colossians, and the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, why do we ever have a lack of confidence? Why the fear that we walk around in? Why the difficulty in overcoming? Telling you, our problems are not the obstacles that we face on the outside. The Lord is helping us to have the confidence that we need for bold leadership. Come on, say it all starts with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Come on, we know that there's no victims here, right? We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Are we living like more than conquerors, my friends? In every area of your life, are you living like you're more than a conqueror? Are there areas where you need to step up in bold leadership? Come on, the Lord is here today to give us victory. It's what He promised during the first worship set. That's what He's going to come and do here in just a few minutes. He's going to come and give you victory in areas that you have uh, so far given up on that you don't even really pray about it anymore. You just resigned yourself to the fact that that's going to be the way that that's going to be. That things aren't going to change from here. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can keep us, can separate us from this love that's going to compel us to do His Word. Amen? 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. 
Let's look at verse 3. It says this, This is love for God to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Do you see that first part of that? Everyone born of God. Say everyone. everyone. Say it all starts with me. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Stop thinking that you're the exception to the verse. Stop thinking that you're the one that it doesn't apply to. You can have the faith for everyone else, but you can't in certain areas of your life. Stop it now. It all starts with me. It all starts with you. Let's have the boldness to understand that everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Don't let your faith be tainted today. He's giving us victory. He's encouraging us. He's motivating us. He's saying, Andrew, you are worth what I'm saying you're worth. You are, in fact, able to do what I'm calling you to do. Because He is going to strengthen us with all strength. He is going to get to it in us. He will help us. Ray, the lion-hearted. He's going to help us to accomplish everything that God has put before us. For our final verse that we're going to turn to collectively, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Man, I want us to be like David's mighty men today. Just decide, you know what, if the whole army backs away, I'm just going to stand my ground right here. I am going to stand and fight even if everyone else leaves. You know why? Because I won't leave. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let the obstacles cause fear in my life. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to lay down. I'm going to have the bold leadership that I need. This is what God is inspiring us towards this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, it says this, So do not throw away your confidence. Would you stand with me while you have your word in hand? Stand with me today as we read this together. I don't feel like I could read this and have everyone seated seated looking at me. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Your confidence is going to be richly rewarded from the heavens. Your confidence, your bold leadership, your not backing down, not giving way to the thoughts that consume you, not letting those obstacles overcome you. The problem is not your job. The problem is not your resources or lack thereof. Your problem is your confidence. Have bold leadership in this place. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. You need to persevere. Quit looking to run away. Quit looking to lie down. Quit looking to back up or shut up or let up. Find that confidence today. He's, re- he's here to give it to us, to encourage us with it, so that we might persevere. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and He will not delay. What does that mean? It means I can't do it until I can. It means that when we need breakthrough, we fight, we struggle, we fight, we struggle. When is this going to come about? I don't know, but when it does, things surely do change. How many times do we miss out on what the Lord has just because we don't persevere? 
Things don't change until they do. But when they do, man, do they change. Jamie, the Lord is changing things in you today. Things that we can't fight with, that we can't overcome in your life. The things that have seemed insurmountable to you. Today's the kind of day that they can get changed in this place. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. The mistake that you cannot make is that you shrink back. Is that you bury the promise that God gave you. Is that you allow it to become mundane. You give up hope and you think that your situation is going to stay the way it is. Don't shrink back. The Lord will not be pleased with you. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are of those who believe, come on, and are saved. As we cry out to the Lord here in just a minute, I want our to be raised in this place today. I want us to understand that we serve a victorious God. The issue isn't your big obstacles. It's the need for bold leadership in your life. When we come forward, when we begin to worship, and I begin to pray here in a minute, we're going to open up the altars. If your confidence has been shaken, and the truth is, is it's not just been a little bit, it's been a lot. If your confidence has been shaken, and you can actually look now and say, that is characteristic of my entire life in the Lord. I have moments of great confidence, but that faithfulness over time needs to be exhibited in my confidence, in my strength of going for the Lord. I'm going to invite you down to the altar here in just a second, but I'm going to ask that you not come in crash position, but that you stand here before the Lord and cry out that he will fill you with his confidence. That you stand with head raised and hands raised and say, God, I need you to give me a boldness. I need you to help me in my leadership. (laughs) Lord, help me where I've lacked. Help me where I've gotten lost. Help me where the obstacles have overcome me. Lord, I need you to do something in my life today. I need victory. I need the kind of victory that changes things from this moment forward. Come on, are you ready to cry out to the Lord? Mighty God, we love you. And we need you to be at work in our lives. Lord, for the men and the women in this room, Lord, we need your confidence to be built in us because of bold leadership. Lord, that your word will do in us what we need to have done. That we will not allow ourselves any longer to step back, to shut up, to back up, to let up. We've got to move forward. We need men and women who will do what they're called to do. Move upon our hearts, mighty one. Give us the bold leadership that we need. No longer is it acceptable for us to bow down to fear, for us to bow down to a lack of confidence. Give us strength today, Lord. Give us your power today, Lord. Give us victory today, Lord. In Jesus' name.